I'm coming in hot. I just came coming in. Uh, hot. Yeah, I just came in from 21st and was like, oh, I need to eat. So I just ate a sandwich. So I'm proud of me like battling indigestion. I ate too fast. <laughs> I just scarfed down a baby bill and some Triscuits. So oh, I'm, my gosh. I'm got cotton mouth. So <laughs> can I tell you? I Triscuits are so nostalgic for me. Did you grow up with Triscuits? No, I've actually recently just stumbled upon them and the rosemary and like thyme one or whatever that is, is so good. The only one I think rivals that one is like the cracked black pepper. Have you tried that one? No, I haven't. (sighs) I love a Triscuit, like Triscuits and cheese, Triscuits and tuna. And it was just like coming home from school every day was Triscuits. Usually was a Triscuit and cheese every day. Middle class life at its best. <laughs> yeah. This is backwards. I'm a ding dong. Gosh. And Lila, you were saying something, but I couldn't hear you. I just see your lips moving. I was muted. Like the actual microphone was muted. Oh. <laughs> you were muted. I had the microphone around backwards. We're rusty. We haven't done this in a minute. <laughs> hey, it's all good. This is my first time. Jasmine, do you need to go grab a water? Uh, do you want to go grab a drink? Yeah, let me grab a drink really quick. Okay. Amanda, are you in the closet today? I am in the closet. My light is in the car. I gave, I had to give Tilden the fairy lights that were behind me because, like, just if it's not one thing, it's another. So welcome to today's episode of Win Some, Lose Some, Resiliency in Real Estate. I'm feeling like the market right now is requiring, I don't know if resiliency is the right word or like drinking or depression or frustration or like forced optimism and positivity. So, um, or I don't know, I'm coming from, I need a winning lottery ticket. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Where, yeah, I mean like, where are you coming in right now? I'm coming in that it's fall and I have on flannel for the first time today. So I'm feeling great. You're choosing your happiness. That's yeah. Your, that's where you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, you know, all things are good considered. Pacific Northwesterner at heart, like living for the flannel and fall. Yes. I mean, I still have my Birkenstocks on because it's not too cold yet. <laughs> so I'm such a little granola lesbian. I can't help it. <laughs> Oh, so our guest today is Jasmine Bethel. And I guess, do you know Jasmine? You're the one who recommended that we talk to her. So, yeah. like, what's your connection? Yeah. Uh, Jasmine's in my flossy posse. <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jasmine and I both serve on the Affordable Housing and Opportunities Committee at Greater Nashville Realtors. And then her and I both also were in Greater Nashville's Leadership Academy this year. So we got to know each other a little bit doing that and spending a few days this spring um, in Sewanee and then at Tennessee Association of Realtors. And she's one of my favorites. That's awesome. Well, Jasmine is a Middle Tennessee native born in Madison, growing up in Rutherford County, Uh, for the later childhood and teenage years. She's a proud boy mom to the sweetest guy, Candence. Did I say that right? Cadence. Cadence. I threw an extra N in there. Apologies. Cadence. And has been a licensed realtor since 2018 after graduating with a BS in communication and marketing and having an extensive background in property management She made the jump into full-time real estate in 2020 and has been going full steam ahead ever since. So thank you for taking some time to hang out with us today, Jasmine. Yeah, of course. I'm so honored that you even asked. 
we are excited to kind of hear about all the ups and downs of life in this industry and being a single mom. And how old is how old is your son? He's seven. Yep. Second grade. Yeah. Like what's a what's a seven year old dude into these days? Oh, everything. Um, literally, <laughs> literally everything. No, um, he is full steam, obviously, with school and he um, is playing football. So he's been doing that for about three years and he loves it. You would think that he is already in the NFL playing the Super Bowl. Um, he loves literally everything about it, going outside, uh, just getting some aggression out. And yeah, Watching sure. the Titans. Hopefully we can win when we do. But do you guys get along? Like, are you are you guys buds or do you butt heads or like what's what's that? We are both Gemini's. Um, so we are very we are the same uh, and it is painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is definitely a very uh, empathetic person. He is my my child through and through. He is <laughs> the sweetest kid um, and he has never met a stranger, a social butterfly. So I think we have a lot in common. And then our attitudes are also very similar. And he has his days where he's like, mom, I don't need you. Like I can go and do what I need to do and get out of my way. And I'm like, I get it. You can get out of my way too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's so wild. My daughter is six. I feel like we're really similar. So there's a couple different challenges there. One, it feels like you're, you have a cool opportunity to reparent yourself because you see so much of yourself in them and their attitude. And even when she talks back, I'm like, well, shit, like you have a point. Like we can't say, we cannot speak rudely. However, I do want to respect you as a human, because that is a valid point. And I just don't want to dim your candle, blow out your light, whatever the phrase is, just because you're six right. years old, right? you still have a valid existence and have a valid perspective and voice. And so it's like, I think one thing that we're struggling with now is how do I encourage, be yourself, speak your mind, say what you need, especially as a woman, yep. but also I need you to help me out and be on the same team as me and respect me and listen. And so it's just finding that line of speak up, but also listen. <laughs> right. And I think these new, these new generation of kids are so different. Like, even though I was a very young parent and obviously a young mom, I just look back on like my childhood compared to my son's and it is so astronomically different. And so now it's like, he's so smart to be only seven it's like, how do you even know half the things you know? You, like, you've been here before, and I, I am trying to navigate those waters with you where I am not only kind of fostering, obviously, just your emotional relationship with other people, but how do I just, you know, guide you into this being the best little human possible? That way you are the best adult possible, but yet I'm still kind of letting you explore life and, like, do it at your own pace and just going through all of the murky waters with you and especially being a mom raising a boy, it is right. definitely not without its challenges. So that is something that we work through every day. I just don't, I mean, every generation has their own set of of struggles and challenges. I do think that parents now are so, are up against a lot of obviously like comparison on social media and how different families look on social media and um but also so much of the like emotional intelligence piece of, okay, I have to be conscious and aware of what I am doing and how I am speaking is going to impact my child later in life, which is exhausting <laughs> to have that awareness, <laughs> which I don't think that our parents were that 
like cognizant of of that. It's like you're yeah, you're trying to protect them, but it's it's you know what obviously is out there. You're trying to protect them, but yet I don't want to inhibit you from experiencing life because I want you to understand that it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but it's like how do you do that delicately? And especially when for me, I'm still navigating life myself. So, we're growing together, and I sometimes often feel like even just comparing myself to other parents who might be older than me, it's still a challenge trying to figure out, like, how am I, you know, am I doing this right? Am I winning at this? Or is this an area that I'm working at and I know that or that I need to work at? And I know that for me, that's something that I literally think about every single morning. Like, OK, what am I doing today or what can I do today to help him? Or is there something that I should be working on that I, you know, did wrong or that, I, you know, did I did I get too angry? Did I get, you know. Did I respond in a way that maybe he didn't receive or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I just always think back to like when I was a kid, I feel like my mom didn't worry probably about half the things that we worry about. Um, like you just, you know, were saying they're just exposed to so much more now. And it's just so hard trying to navigate this as a working parent, as a working mom, as a single mom. You're trying to just do everything and anything you can to keep them safe, but also, you know, let them flourish. And it's like you said, walking that fine line, it's so challenging. Man, I I hear you pulled in like an octopus, like 42 different directions. <laughs> you know, you've got clients hitting you up, wanting to go check out houses and you've got your son, he's got to go to football and you've got the weight of, man, I lost my shit this morning. I doesn't feel good. Like I'm trying to be such an intentional, like just how do you navigate that are, are you are you do you feel like you're pretty even keeled or how do you wear stress how do you deal with with stress yeah I think um something that I've actually really started to try and implement and I talked a little bit about this with Lila um you know at Leadership Academy and just throughout you know the couple of months after I have really been focused on keeping boundaries in place and for me what that looks like is because there are so many different avenues that I'm pulled in every single day, whether it's motherhood, whether it's work, whether it's still being a woman and a daughter and a sister and a friend and like your your own person, I feel like it is very important for me to, in order to manage my stress, to have boundaries. And I, you know, whether that is setting aside a specific day, which typically are Saturdays, where I am fully a mother. Like I, and you know, it doesn't always happen where it's always perfect, but there is a window of time where for me, my stress levels go down when I can fully be present in whatever task I'm doing. So instead of trying to juggle so many things all the time, there have been instances where now I'm really starting to set clear boundaries, either with clients or with uh, friends or, you know, family, whatever the case may be, or this is what I'm doing at this particular time to help me stay focused, to stay sane. Um, and then when it comes to work, I am fully vested in work. You know, I understand that these are the hours I'm going to be available. My clients know that. And I've really started to teach them to respect that because I respect their time as well. So for me, balancing and I hate the word balance because truly you can't really balance anything because the weight for every different factor of your life is different. But just being at a cohesive place with my schedule keeps my stress down. If there is a day where I know my son is going to need my attention, then I'm going to take that day away from work. And my son is my priority. So, you know, whatever the case may be, it's really just about looking at what can I prioritize today to keep to keep everything else at bay. But then the question remains, 
where do you sit on the list of priorities? Exactly. And that is something I am still working. You know, I think we all struggle with that. I know I do. Yeah. You know, you try to set boundaries, which is so hard. Like you said, if you set your own boundaries because you're respecting yourself, you're also respecting your clients and theirs too. Mm -hmm. So like that should be a give and take. But the finding yourself time for yourself piece, I think, is is hard. Yeah, I think that's something that I am definitely still willing to admit that I am struggling at. I tend to put myself on the back burner. And um, as a newer agent, like you're saying, I definitely feel that weight of not wanting to say no. And I think especially in the first two years, I didn't say no. I was running rampant. I was doing literally anything and everything to try and get clients or to have a deal or to save deals that really probably shouldn't have been saved. Uh, you know, both for my sake and for the clients. But I look to where I'm at now, and this kind of just happened um, a few weeks ago. I had a potential seller who I realized was not going to be, you know, beneficial. The relationship wasn't going to be beneficial for both of us if we were to work together. And as you know, obviously, you want to take every deal you can. We want all the inventory and we want, and it was a great house. Um, but I just realized in order to speak up for myself and show up for myself that I was going to have to walk away from that. And that was my first kind of glimpse of like, OK, wow, it, it is fine to to take a step back and realize, you know what, my mental health, my priorities and my peace are are more important than a paycheck for this specific instance. Now, obviously, I'm not doing that for every deal, but I look back and I think about the time that I would have wasted in the last two months dealing with that specific situation. And I'm glad that I have that time. And I think the way that connects to parenting is that I think that if your son came to you with the list of whatever was going on with that particular transaction and that seller came to you and was like, yeah, I, I walked away, how proud you would feel of him for doing that because he he was true to himself exactly. and he believed in himself enough to make that what I'm sure was a very tough decision. And I think that we tell our kids, oh, of course you do. You know, we tell our kids all this encouragement and how to be and all this hope and, and positivity and life skills we're trying to teach them. I think that we forget to remind ourselves to do those same things too. Be proud mm -hmm. of yourself. Be brave. All of these things. Like every night I feel like I'm reading mm -hmm. Tilden a new book and I'm like, yeah. God, like note to freaking self. Reminder, you know, Exactly. It's like, how can I, yeah, it's like, how can I ask him to speak up for himself if I am more worried about money than speaking up for myself if I know that something is not going to serve me? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you, like you just said, a reminder to myself, everything I'm, I am teaching him correlates to what I should be telling myself daily as well. Well, if I can say from a very outside perspective, I think one of the coolest things um, that you have gone on that I really that I struggle with is the separation of being in this industry when you're marketing yourself. I think that your job gets really tangled up with your identity. And so like if you're that, I think that's why I take rejection mm -hmm. very hard is because I feel like I'm offering, well, not just, oh, here's a low rate, whatever it's, oh no, I put a lot of me of Amanda into this. And, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of my identity is tied into mortgage world and Amanda Gilbert as a mortgage loan officer. And so I think, I mean, mm -hmm. just what I've heard over the past few minutes is I know when to turn that switch on and off and I can wear whatever hat I need to wear 
in that moment and be present in that moment and keep that hat on and try and keep the other hats on the shelf until it's time to switch out my hats, which is admirable and fucking hard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And it's it's funny you say that because honestly, I think even before real estate, I really just have always been one to whatever I'm doing, I am fully doing that until I'm doing something else. And I heard um, another agent that I like to listen to. Um, she's in a different state. And she said something a couple weeks ago that really resonated with me. And it, it's along the topic of what you're speaking about. And she said, you know, what she does is not who she is. And what I do for work is obviously very important to me. And it, you know, fuels who I am, but it is not the only thing that I am. And I have really, I was just talking to um, Lila kind of about this before we got on, on the recording. And I, of course, am fully vested in real estate, but I am so much more than just a realtor out here selling houses. And I think when people look at me, whether it's on social media and hopefully even in real life, they see that because I strive to be as authentic and as genuine as possible across the board. And I think that really speaks to the type of clients that end up getting attracted to me because I have found and luckily and graciously, obviously, I have not really had to reach out for a clientele. They have been more so coming to me. And I think that that really speaks to how I present myself and how I show up and just who the who I am. And of course, I am fully, like I said, vested in my business, but that's not the only thing I have going on. And I think people know that. And I think they resonate with that. And I don't want to seem as a, you know, as a, uh, to be seen as a walking for sale sign. I want you to see yeah. Jasmine and see that I'm a mom, see that I am you know, all about my family. I am fiercely loyal. I love, you know, Nashville and like going out and still enjoying life. And yes, obviously this is what I do, but you know, like you said, it's just knowing when to kind of navigate what hat I'm wearing and just being fully present. So what was your, what was your path to real estate? How'd you end up here? So <laughs> I feel like you always hear like, oh, I fell into it. And really I, from a uh, early kind of standpoint, I've always been in property management. So when I was in college, I started out at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green and I did some student housing. So I moved off campus to some apartment complexes and they were hiring in a leasing office. And I got in there with my roommates and we worked there for the years that we lived there and actually really liked it. Um, of course, I loved the people aspect, you know, showing the units and just getting all my friends to come live with me. It's a college town, so it was a great experience. And of course, you get your discount on rent. Yeah. Um, so that was a bonus. And then, <laughs> and then um, obviously at my junior year, when I found out that I was pregnant, I knew I was going to have to come back home and just have that support from my family. And so when I made the transition back down to Nashville, I ended up getting another job at a uh, community that was in Smyrna. And I did a lot of the residential leasing there. And I did that for three years, I believe. And then I ended up um, kind of going into the Fifth and Broadway community that was being built at the time. And this was right before the pandemic started. And at that point, I had been doing property management for almost 10 years. 
And it was, you know, leasing and I would help um, relocation companies find properties for their employers that were coming here. And um, when I went and did the lease up for Fifth and Broad before the pandemic really kicked off, I um, loved it. I knew I wanted to be more centrally focused in downtown. And I was working 40 plus hours a week with a small child who was in kindergarten at the time. And or was getting ready to go into kindergarten. And uh, right before that school year kicked off, I was really already, I already had my real estate license. I just wasn't doing anything with it. I got my license right before I graduated college in 2018. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I just didn't really know how to kind of get my foot in the door. And um, I already had a broker and everything. I just, I wasn't actually selling anything. And so when he started kindergarten, I realized that obviously his school was going to go virtual and I could not continue to work 40 plus 50 hours a week and be there for him. And so it was more or less, Jasmine, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to say you want to do this and not actually put any weight behind it? Or are you just going to make, make the jump? And I have always heard that real estate is a business that you get out what you put in. And I wasn't putting in anything, which is why I wasn't getting out anything. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I told my boss at the time, like, hey, I, you know, think that I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I, I'm really passionate about it. And lo and behold, it, it was kind of a, a twist of fate. My son's school went virtual and ended up having to bring him to work with me a couple of times. And my boss was like, hey, unfortunately, like you, you can't do that. It's, it's against company policy. Like we can't, we can't have that. I said, well, I have nowhere else for him to go. Um, and I ended up just having to make the decision between my job and obviously my child. And of course, as a parent, I mean, that's a no brainer. So I picked my child and I turned in my two week notice. And uh, December 31st was my last day. And then January 1st rolled around. And I took, I think, a week of not doing anything. And then that very next week in January, I started full time in real estate. And I literally just came to my office every single day and I started hustling. And it's been uphill ever since. <laughs> As a parent of a kid in school and navigating a new career and pandemic, just so many, so many things to overcome. I mean, what were the expect, like getting into real estate? I mean, you had been in, like, like you said, property management for a while. What expectations kind of did you have? getting into real estate and what were were some of those that were true and what were some of those expectations that necessarily weren't true, you know? Yeah, I think the expectations I had versus the actual reality were completely different. <laughs> um, I expected all of my friends and family to just immediately want to work with me. Absolutely. And I just knew that <laughs> I was going to start getting clients. How could they not? Left Exactly. I was like, I just knew as soon as I quit my job, all of the floodgates were going to open and I was going to have deals just coming left and right. And I was going to, no problem. And three months passed and I had spent three months worth of my savings. And I quickly realized that that is not how this business works at all. And that normally, um, your friends and family probably won't work with you until they actually trust you and know that you know what you're doing. And so I realized very quickly that if I wanted to sustain any sort of financial stability for my child and myself, that I was going to have to figure it out. And whether that was cold calling or door knocking or literally showing up every single day on social media, 
um, you know, just as much as I could being present in my business, I was like, I have to figure this out because not just for my sake, I have someone who literally needs me to figure this out for them. Um, and so I, I quickly realized that it's not selling sunset. It is not HGTV. It's not glitz and glam. You will cry. You will need a cocktail. You will need a shoulder to lean on. You'll have more no's than you will yeses. And by the grace of whatever power at be in the universe, I got a, a referral from the, a woman who follows me on social media. And she had no idea, at least I don't think she knew, that the client she was sending me was going to be my first actual deal. And um, she, you know, if she knew, she didn't say anything. And shout out to Jessica Stevens. Um, I am forever grateful for her because I think that really started the cycle of doing business for me. And once I got one deal, I've always heard once you get, you know, your first couple of deals, it just starts rolling in. And for me, that that was true. I, I got one deal and then out of nowhere, I got two more and then two more became four more. And, you know, from then on, the the expectation was if I put in the work, I'm going to reap the rewards. So I quickly realized, you know, um, you got to do the work in order to uh, be successful. Well, I think, too, like that's it's such a good point because I think I mean, I'm a realtor, too. Like we forget that if we just nurture our sphere and our family and our friends and our databases and remind those people that not only, yeah, sure, we want to sell them real estate, but we genuinely care about them and their lives and who we all are as humans. Like that reminder is typically enough to keep yourself in somebody's mind where when a transaction does come around, they think of you not because you're just good at what you do, but because you always took the time out to genuinely check in with them. Yeah, I think that's something I'm learning now is uh, the first year it was really about just being, you know, I didn't realize this at the time, but I was just being very transactional. I was like, okay, check this off, check this off, check this off. Deal's done. I've got, you know, my money, my, my bills are paid, my clients are happy. And now going into this year, I've fully kind of turned my business around where I am putting them first and the customer service level that I'm giving them now compared to where I was before is just nine day difference. And I think that has translated to why I have really been able to you know, build great relationships with some of these people who have now referred me two and three times to their friends and family. And I, like you said, it's all about just the, the relationship and generally caring about people. And I think that goes back to they don't they don't want you to reach out and be like, hey, let me sell you a house or, hey, you know, anybody buying? I mean, sure, they probably do. But like, I wouldn't want you to come up to me and ask me that until you get out of my face. I think the first year too, Jasmine, you know, you're saying that like the customer service piece was night and day. You were probably like in freaking crisis of like learning. I was. I was so scared. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like I had no money. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. So, so how can you like, what yeah. What do we do? How can you like, oh, I want to make sure this person feels taken care of when you're like, I have to. How can I gift you anything? <laughs> and I'm like living, literally waiting to get paid. Like I can't take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. You can get a card. A cool piece about social media is that if someone refers you off of social media, it's because they have like a sneak peek of you. I think especially the more authentic you are, um, I think people who are similar to you will want to work with you or refer people to you based on who you are. Um, and so they kind of off the bat feel like they know you. Absolutely. And so some of that trust is already built in. And then what's also cool is 
hey, work with Jasmine. She's great. Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look on social for Jasmine, without a doubt. Anytime anyone says anything in a restaurant about whatever, I'm going to look up, see what their Instagram looks like. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, well, I kind of have an expectation. I can get to know you without actually taking any of Jasmine's mm-hmm. time. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you even look at just the the life cycle of real estate and like the direction we're heading, I mean, of course, the the new generation of buyers are, you know, a lot of people that are around my age and they spend a lot of time on social media. And I mean, I know if someone tells me someone's name, even a client, the first thing I do, like you said, is go look them up. So hopefully, you know, when someone looks at me, they're like, oh, okay, she's not crazy. She's not, you know, this stuffy suit wearing, you know, girl. And no, it's just you, you are hopefully drawn to just my my natural self. And, you know, when you see me, you feel relatable because I feel like, you know, I'm no different than anybody. I just, I work hard and I hope that trend, you know, that shows, you know, in what I do and what I post and I'm myself and hopefully you just, you know, you, you feel like we would work good together. For sure. And then I think that you typically do work well with people that already have, that are already drawn to you in that natural way. Like it's a better experience for everyone. So the market is changing and we're in the midst of this shift where listings are taking longer to sell. As of today, interest rates are at or over 7%. I mean, what are some of the conversations that you're having with your clients around navigating this kind of new and different challenging market than what we've seen over the past couple of years? Absolutely. Um, I have a client right now. We have a listing that's in Mount Juliet and we just went uh, on the market about two weeks ago. And why, when I was talking to him, I was just letting him know, like, you know, I, I want to set the expectation that this is not the same market we were in, you know, four months ago, where you could put any price tag on the property, really put it out there in any condition, and you would get multiple fish biting, and you would get, you know, highest highest dollar possible, even if that's not necessarily what the house might have been worth. And I was, you know, really talking to him about being strategic about our timing. When we went on the market, the presentation is absolutely key right now. And then also just understanding that the buyers are taking their time. They're making very informed decisions, but they're also really not in a furry to be buying. You know, anyone that's on the market right now, hopefully is a very serious um, either buyer or seller. And obviously with that, we want to be putting our best foot forward. And I am talking with my clients every day about knowing what to expect and just understanding that we are not going to fly off the shelf, but it's okay for us to sit for a little bit because this is allowing other people to get in the door that might have missed out, you know, a few months back when they couldn't bid $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 over. And so really, I feel like, you know, just starting to calm our nerves is very important and just relaxing and just understanding that you have to trust the process. This is not, um, you know, a, a jump in and just get a quick sale. And it's really just about taking your time and being strategic. And I'm also talking to my buyers about, okay, right now we have the opportunity to ask for a little bit more or really take our time and just make an informed decision. Like I was saying, you don't have to rush out there on your lunch break or the house will be gone. You know, we have a, we have a second to really figure out, is this neighborhood really where you want to be? Is this house really checking off your boxes or are we just going to look at it just for the sake of it? So we're saving a lot of time going and looking at things that I know are not going to benefit us and really kind of honing down 
um, and being able to look at things that are, you know, really going to fit the box. Thank you for having those conversations. As someone who works only with buyers, interest rates quickly tie into news and fear sells. And so there's just so much fear and negativity around interest rates. And so I think really trying to shine the light on, Mm -hmm. just like you said, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't, that's such a good thing to say of, oh, we don't have to rush out on your lunch break to go see this before it's gone. Like, oh my God, this is how it's supposed to be. You're about to go into a six-figure debt. Like, think about it. Try it on. Have a moment to make sure. And then, yeah, and hopefully in a majority of the instances, you're going to be in the home a heck of a lot longer than you're going to have this interest rate than what you close with. And so I think, you know, you obviously have to make sure that monthly payment is comfortable at the beginning because that's what's left after all the butterflies go away after closing. But I think if you can think of it from, okay, long-term, I do love this house because I did take the time and I got the sellers to fix the roof because Jasmine crushed it because we had some negotiation power that we didn't have. Or we went (laughs) $5,000 over list price and the seller bought down my interest rate with that extra $5,000. Like, okay, we're taking some deep breaths and we don't have to be as emotional and reactive. Yeah. And I, that was what I was getting ready to say. I think we're, we're definitely in a place where a lot of us were freaking out because we're realizing that what we were seeing the last two years was not normal, even though we thought it was normal, but now we're getting to a normal place. And I think for a lot of us, we don't know what that looks like because some of us are just now entering the marketplace. So when you hear about your friends who got a house for you know, 2.75 or 3.75. And here we are at, you know, almost seven. It's like, oh my God, like I I missed the boat. Well, no, I mean, you bought at a time when, you know, is it's going to work for you. And I think the, what's the saying, um, date the rate, marry the house. And I, that's a conversation I'm having with a lot of people is if you can find something that is in your ideal location, in your price point, and you know, that works with your budget, don't let the interest rate stop you from purchasing something that's going to help you build generational wealth. Amen. And especially when you have the opportunity to refinance. And I, I think it's so important for especially a lot of the first-time buyers to understand it's something that I'm preaching to my clients. You know, you are not going to be tied down to this interest rate forever. And if you have the opportunity to better your situation by purchasing something and actually owning it, why would you not do that? And also building wealth at the same time. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> I always tell people, especially newer buyers, you know, because the interest rates are scary right now. People are like, they're, they haven't been this high in so long. And I think my first mortgage, my interest rate was close to 7%. And that was 2006, maybe. 2007. Jasmine, it's okay. I know and, that me and you are both really, really young and that we don't necessarily I'm understand old. what Lila's talking about right now. I know. Lila's old. Well, I was going to say my grandparents told me their interest rate was 18% <laughs> in Madison. So it's like seven's not bad compared to 18. Back in 2008. Like my point typically is anything in a single digit number is good because look at all this bad debt that we're accruing, credit cards and cars and all this bullshit that we don't need that we're paying 10, 15, 25% for when you can own a piece of property. And if you look at that good debt versus bad debt, even if you're spending, and I know it's a lot, but 8% interest on a mortgage, you're probably getting a five to 10% return a year on that initial investment. And it's 
so much healthier for your credit, for generational wealth, for all of those things. But if you don't think about it that way, you know, you're like, no, it's cool. I'll just pay 30% interest on my credit card and keep like racking it up. But you know, yeah, you could own a house. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, you can have a nice car or you can own a house. And I think lastly about this market is, I don't know, I think that some people are just going to like be unhappy in any season. You know, I think that there are people who were pissed at how the market was, even though rates were really low because they were on offer number 10 and going a hundred thousand over and couldn't get it. So they're pissed at that market. And now they're pissed at this market because rates are where they are, but mm -hmm. yet there's some great opportunity yeah. like we talked about. And so I think like, man, you can't, you can't play that game. You can't play the market. There's not a perfect time. The perfect time is when you're ready and there will always be opportunity to, to change things down the road. So I think for sure, just understanding that it's cyclical, it's, it's never going to be perfect. So you've got to do it when it makes sense for you. Absolutely. Yep. So this podcast is called win some, lose some. And so I want to talk about where you feel like you're winning and where you're coming out ahead and what are you really struggling with right now? Where are you losing? Yeah, I feel like winning wise, um, I feel like I'm really coming into my own in my business and I'm very proud of that. I feel like sometimes as moms and as working parents, we don't celebrate our professional wins. Oh, I think that is sometimes frowned upon. Yeah, uh, But I'm actually really proud of what I'm doing right now um, in my business. So I feel like that's an area I'm really winning in. Uh, my confidence and you know my, my determination to continue to succeed are really high right now in my business. You even just did like a really cute, like shoulder shrug you were just like i'm like really proud of myself oh my gosh. and i like felt this little shoulder oh. shrug and i was like oh hell oh yes gosh. i'm feeling that energy um, and then you know where do i feel like i'm losing it honestly i feel like just navigating that um you know that that balancing act of like we were talking about with parenting um being the loving parent but also really preparing you for real life especially with you know a son and a, an African-American son at that, just preparing you for what you're actually going to deal with and being that disciplinarian, but still being a mom and being a boy mom and just really trying to navigate those waters. And it's not easy, um, especially, you know, even when you are working, like you're, you're trying to navigate everything. So that's, you know, an area that I am really, I'm, I'm trying to, to hone in on and, and, you know, get a little better at. Jasmine, what if um, in 10 years, Cadence is like, yo, mom, I want to be a realtor. What would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, well, he's actually my little showing buddy all the time. Um, he <laughs> he loves to go and like open the door. It's already for happening. Me. Yeah, he loves to go anytime <gasps> he can. I'll go and open the door, turn the lights on. He'll hold my phone like if I need him to do something. So he loves it. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. He is, like I said, very outgoing and he loves, you know, just to kind of come with me and just see what's out there. And I think it's important for him to see different neighborhoods and not just, you know, be in his little bubble. So I'd be uh, very happy and I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's also important for him to see and respect how hard you work. For sure. For sure. Because, you know, I like I put my kids to work. We had sent out a bunch of flyers or something a couple months ago. And I had my kids lined up on the couch stamping 500 postcards. Oh, and yeah, I'm like, for come sure. On. This is your summer job. Like, yeah, you're always them. I said, okay. you know, <laughs> all the stuff you have, let's let's think about how you got it. You know, someone had to work for it. And so I just, you know, I think it's important to see that for him to see that as well. So, yeah, for sure. So Jasmine gave us five songs uh, to add to the Win Some, Lose Some Spotify playlist. We've got Get Into It by Doja Cat. A lot of Drake. Here we go. Tuscan Leather, <laughs> Too Much, and Keep the Family Close. 
and then we've got some Adele remedy. So can you pick one of those songs and tell me why you picked it and kind of what it means to you? Yeah, I think um, the one I have the most, most emotional connection to would be Remedy by Adele. When I was pregnant, that album had just came out and I was just going through it. And I listened to it on repeat and uh, I just vividly remember giving birth and right around the time of my son turning one, that song, it just really, really spoke to me. The lyrics, you know, just always being there and being, you know, the shoulder to cry on and how, you know, we both have that for each other. Like, I think when you're a parent, especially at least for a first time parent, you learn a lot from having a child. And they, they always joke that you get, you know, whatever you need. And I really needed to learn true, genuine love and unconditional love. And I think my son really taught me that. And hopefully he, you know, when he gets older, can say the same about me. And I think that song just really, anytime I hear it, it, it just reminds me of that kind of era in my life. That's super cool. Thank you for for sharing all of that. Yeah. Um, and thank you for hanging out with us and sharing your story. I think that you're incredible. I feel really honored that I got to know you uh, during this hour. And we always close out. We have a message from someone important or influential in our guest's life. And so I actually have a message from Ginger, your broker. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that for you really quick. Girl. This is Ginger Holmes, uh, Jasmine's managing broker with Berkshire Hathaway. And wow, so many great things about Jasmine. But first and foremost, I wish I could clone her. <laughs> um, like I said, so many great things. Jasmine is just, she's so empowering. She is the true professional. Her work ethic, her determination, her caring for her clients so much, and her passion in everything that she does just you know, just uh, spills out in everything. So I consider myself so blessed and so honored to have Jasmine as part of our team and cannot wait to see what the future holds and just watching Jasmine just climb and climb and do amazing, amazing things. Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> she said, so many things I wanted to say about Jasmine. I always, I just say, hey, keep it 30 seconds. And she said, but the 30 seconds made it tough. <laughs> Um, every word is so true. Thank you for the opportunity to brag on Jasmine. And that's my favorite part of the episode because I don't think that we spend enough time taking a moment to lift each other up. So I feel uplifted by hanging out with you today. And it sounds like you're doing really incredible stuff and just take time for you and keep going. Well, thank you guys so much. It's a it's an honor and you guys are awesome. Well, thanks. Any Anything that we didn't talk about or anything that you want to say before we head out? I mean, I think you guys covered it. I think it's really important to, you know, just uh, acknowledge where you are winning in life and then just have the ability to step back and look at areas that you might need to uh, improve on. And I think you shouldn't be too proud to do that. So yeah, give yourself a little grace Amen. for sure. All right. Well, Jasmine, so this is gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna stop the recording here. And Amanda did, in fact, stop the recording there. While I have you, thank you so much for listening to Win Some, Lose Some, Resiliency in Real Estate. I thought I'd mix it up here at the end. Listen, please, if you have not, like, rate, review the podcast. This helps us get in front of as many eyes as possible. And it might be just me, 
But I think that what we talk about on this podcast is really important. So please share, like, rate, review, send it to a friend. Let's continue to get the word out about this podcast, where we're winning, where we're losing, because it's about real estate, but it's also about so much more than that. Again, thank you so much. Let us know who we should be talking to. Amanda Gilbert, signing off. If you guys need anything, win some, lose some pod at gmail.com.